0: Hello, and welcome to From the Ground Up Podcast, a podcast where we discuss key doctrines of the Christian faith, all while keeping Christ as the cornerstone in every aspect of it. I'm Seth Bridgman, your host. Welcome to our show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to From the Ground Up Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Seth Bridgman. With me, as always, is Cody, Dylan, and Mason. And we are back for another discussion today, um, building up from Christ's cornerstone. We're working our way through the doctrines of the Bible, building on top of each other to show that they're all very important to the Christian faith. So,
1: Dylan, you want to start us out with a discussion question? Yeah, so this is not, uh, well, I guess it maybe could turn into something biblically related, uh, depending on your Uh, Favorite, but uh, the the question this week is, what is your favorite movie? What is your favorite movie, Cody? What is your favorite movie, or kind of the kind of a series of movies Uh, that would be acceptable? Mm -hmm. Um, so so for me,
2: I don't watch movies all the time. Um, so a series of movies, and probably going to sound like everybody else in the world right now, but I love Star Wars. So you know, okay, yeah, but. Especially the originals, you know? The original three, like, that's just some good stuff. But, I mean, the new ones are, you know, the, right. the The original, as in 4, 5, and 6. six yeah, episode 4, 5, and 6. Okay, yeah, yeah so.
1: those are those are the best. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. Enjoy, I enjoy so, that. Solid choice. I, but, I disagree. Uh, well, we
3: can oh,
2: excommunicate oh, yeah, we, yeah, I know which ones you we like. We can so, excommunicate uh, you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh,
2: overall, I, I can enjoy the... The storyline of Star Wars, and plus, you know, there's so much outside of just the movies, you know, yeah. that's been kind of developed. So I, I, I enjoy, like, reading and, and watching stuff about it. So, yeah. Seth, what about you?
0: Uh, before we get into mine, Episode 3 is the best out of the entire episode? Star Wars series. Uh, really? Episode 3? You, you can quote me on that and fight me on that. I don't care.
3: <laughs> Anakin, you're breaking my heart.
0: <laughs> Technically, it is medically possible to die from a broken heart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's for another day. Uh, so, oh, man. <laughs> my probably my all time absolute favorite movie is Tombstone. It's, one it's, we it's in probably last <laughs> yeah. It's, it's probably my one. absolute favorite, but like two that are very interchangeable for a close second is Black Hawk Down. Okay, and Saving Private Ryan. All right, I absolutely love those two movies. And it makes it even – would never seen Black Hawk Down until, like, ten years ago. We had a – it was called Hunt Fest. I don't know if any of y'all went to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember Sergeant yeah. Jeff Struker, who was part of the Black Hawk Down incident, was there, and he was the speaker for that event. And he was talking about the movie, and I went home and watched it, and it was instantly one of my favorite movies.
3: Yeah, so you stole mine, kind of. Um being being a man of history and really liking the study of especially World War II history, I have to say, um, Saving Private Ryan is probably my favorite movie. Um, I got I watch, and for these guys, it's no surprise I watch a ton of movies. I love movies, um, so I could go you know all the Marvel, the MCU stuff is is really big. My wife loves it. We love watching it together, but um, probably Saving Private Ryan or one that's come out a little more recently that I will put a lot of. <laughs> Uh, qualifiers on it. It's a tough movie to watch, but if you've watched the movie Fury, um, oh yeah, it, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that kind one was
1: good. That's it, the one with Brad Pitt. Right? That's one with Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
3: and it really kind of delves into uh, what it was. They try to in, in 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 a way dive into what it was like to be a U.S. tank crew yeah. during the end of World War II, and it's uh, it's graphic, it's gritty, but it's it is very, from what I've studied and what I've read, very accurate um, to what they what they went through.
1: Yeah, uh,
3: hmm. it's 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 a good movie.
1: Yeah, I am shocked that you guys did not say uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. the The Lord of the Rings movies are my favorite movies. They're very good. They but they're are. they're also
2: very long.
1: They They're really long. You have to take a you have, you have to take a lot of time out of your day to watch them. But man, just the uh, I, the. They're so timeless. Like, yeah, I, me and my wife recently watched them again for you know the fifteenth or twentieth time, and each time I never get tired of them. By the way, but anyways, uh, the they're they're so timeless. Like you would you would watch it today, and you would think, man, that movie was made today, you know, because that, of the, the yeah, visual aspects it's of no. it are so awesome. Which who was the director on that? Um, oh, crud! Spielberg? No, 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 no. Spielberg
3: was another one of the big names. Is it, it Jackson? Uh,
1: Yes, it, okay. I believe it's Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Yes. yes, it was Peter so Jackson. I, I wanted yes. to say Cameron because Cameron makes a lot of those visual. But it wasn't Cameron. Yeah, it was Cameron. Yeah, they're so timeless. They're just very well rounded. And then you see there are some biblical aspects of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, Tolkien was a he's a he was a, a, a Catholic, uh, and kind of the inspiration mm-hmm. for you know the Lord of the Rings books were. You know, based on some some Christian uh, aspects, some Christian, uh, uh, I guess, I, I can't think of a word. Anyways, uh, but yeah, uh, Lord of the Rings is, is my what, favorite. What
0: keeps Lord of the Rings out of, like, the top tiers for me is how much I despise the character of Frodo. I despise Frodo. Really, Frodo not Sam? Usually it's, usually
3: when you, when you meet somebody like that, it, it's always Sam, the crying, I, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the weepy Sam that drives people away. Listen, what?
1: you have to look. Okay.
3: All right. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> let me get on
1: the soapbox for a yeah, minute. To okay. okay. So, the, yes, I mean, they're crybabies or whatever. But you have to think about it like this, too. They were literally just thrown into this. I mean, it's like, okay, well, you have this ring now, and you need to destroy it because, guess what? Bad's going to come from that thing. And so what I see is the brotherly connection between Sam and Frodo. And, I mean, come on. If you don't tear up at the end of the the third Lord of the Rings, I mean, come on. Are you really a human being? I don't know.
0: I would have been okay had Schmeagel just thrown Frodo, and... I'm oh, gosh, come on. <laughs> just saying. I just <laughs> find Frodo's oh character. Okay. Uh, and I don't know. I don't really care for Elijah Wood, so that may very well be part
1: of it as well. But that's a discussion for <laughs> another time. Not on the podcast. A side note, uh, Shane... Uh, is it Shane or Sean Aston Samwise, actually stars in a bunch of Pure flicks Christian movies. Yeah, he's oh. in a bunch of them. Yep. Yeah, well... Nice. I, nice. Christian. I use that term very loosely. He threw up air quotes for
3: those of you listening and not being able to see. So. Yeah.
0: So, all right. So, um, today's discussion is sin. Nothing else with that sin. So, we'll um, roll through it, our round table discussion as normal. So, Cody, I'm going to let you start off with this first question. What oh. is sin? Ooh, oh,
2: man. Tough one. Let me think here. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm just kidding. Um So, I mean, obviously sin is you know opposite of god is disobedience rebellion towards god um and so i mean i actually like looked up to the definition sorry if i sold somebody else's thunder for later on but um and so i mean it's just uh an act of evil or wickedness or wrongdoing um it's kind of how it's quoted just generic dictionary version um and you know but the just straight you know definition just disobedience or you know um, rebellion towards God's um, the easiest way for me to describe it. What do you think, Dylan?
1: Uh, well, I, I think we're all going to come to the same conclusion here. But uh, sin is anything and everything that goes against God, His will, and His commands. That's what uh, you can look at Genesis three, the fall of man. Uh, look at James four seventeen, uh, and then First John five seventeen. All kind of outline, you know, what sin is. Against God, sin is against the will of God, and then uh, sin is also uh, uh, against His commands. And we see that in in Genesis three. Whenever you know God gave Adam and Eve a command, and spoiler alert, they disobeyed (laughs) His command. So I haven't got to that part yet. (laughs) ah, Jumping the gun. gun. I know. I
3: know. Um, So this is going to sound really different from what the last two guys have said, but. I uh, I found sin is anything contrary to the character of the law of God, and and I have always heard this, but I in in my really limited quick research I couldn't find it. I've always heard that sin itself, the word, was originally an archery term, which means to miss the mark. Yep. Katah. Okay. Okay, so was that a Hebrew word? Yeah, I, okay.
0: Hebrew katah is, uh, yeah, to miss the mark.
3: Okay, okay. I, I, I had heard that, and I, I mean, many preachers that I trust have said it, but I couldn't actually find it for myself, so I wanted to see if you guys were able to find that. But anyway, um, the word itself has been used throughout the Bible, and then throughout um, it's been uh, taken into human nomenclature to just reference anything bad or evil, but in the Bible specifically it references mankind's uh, rebellious acts against God.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay, Yep. Yeah. Uh, side note the Bible project does a word study on the Hebrew word percent like a six minute word study okay uh, and it's really good a Bible project for those of you all that aren't familiar it's a YouTube channel they also have a podcast that's really mm-hmm. good as well but um, they do what is that called? Uh, pictography or whatever where they do like drawn yeah. videos. I think I
2: may reference that in one of our earlier podcasts when yeah. uh, we and, were kind of uh, in a discussion. but
0: They'll do word studies and one of them was, was the Hebrew word for sin. But yeah, I, uh, I always define sin as anything that is opposed to God's character or will. Uh, 1 John actually gives a definition for sin. 1 John 3, 4 says that sin is lawlessness. Uh, and so when God gave the Mosaic Law... Not only was he given us something to show like our need for a Savior, but it was to teach us what sin is. Because, I mean, Paul even says that in Romans 7 when he's like, you know, if it wasn't for the law, I would have never known covetousness. You know, I would have never known this was a sin had it not been for the Mosaic Law. So the law teaches us what sin is. It teaches us what is pleasing and what is displeasing to God. Um, so, Mason, do you think it's possible to stop sinning? So
3: I've actually heard um, both sides of this argument. Um, I come down on, on no. I don't think that on this side of eternity it is possible for, for people to, to completely stop sinning. Um, I mean, you got to say while well, salvation through Christ, it, it frees us from the dominion of sin. We're no, no longer under the reign and control of sin. Um, at the same time, that, that, hu- that, that flesh, as Paul calls it, the, the human nature... Resides with us till the day we die. It never completely goes away. We can kill it daily. We can turn ourselves over to the control of God. But each and every day we wake up, it's still there. Um, So I think while theoretically, technically, yes, it could be possible to live a post-salvation sinless life. I don't think, and it's been my experience, that I haven't encountered any humans that are as disciplined um, enough uh, to To completely live in the presence of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. moment by moment, day by day, you know, hour by hour, completely and totally devoted um, to God. So I would say, I would say no. Um, and in, in just in reference to that, I mean, you can look at. I think uh, somebody just mentioned says just mentioned Romans chapter seven, and uh, you can look at chapter seven, uh, starting in verse seven, going down through twenty five, um, and it's It's probably one of the more famous passages in the Bible where Paul is talking about going back and forth of doing what he does not want to do mm-hmm. um, instead of what he knows he needs to do and and that's a battle as confusing as as the long run on Paul's sentences can get mm-hmm. it it it's, It makes so much sense because in the in this human life in this Christian life we are constantly battling with that with that nature,
1: yeah. I can. I agree with that. I don't think that it's that it's possible for, for us to stop sinning. Um, after all, we are still man, um, and we are inherited sinners. Uh, we were we were born uh, born into sin, into sin, uh, which started from the fall from Adam and Eve in, in Genesis three. Um, so, I mean, we still live in this you know sinful in this in this fleshly body. And as much as we may try, it's kind of what you said, Mason. As much as, as much as we try, even though we aren't under the thumb of sin anymore, we are brought into this light. We are brought into this righteousness, righteousness through Christ. Uh, we still will go back to it because we are, after all, man, we, mm-hmm. we are, we are uh, flawed, flawed creatures. But thankfully, there was the one that paid for that sin for us. And as we know, that's, that's the, that's the Christ. Mm -hmm. Cody, what about you?
2: So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of same page, you know, like you mentioned, you're, we're born in sin, you know, Psalms 51, um, verse five, you know, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Um, so, Mm -hmm. you know, David's writing there, um, about that. And so, I mean, since the fall and after that happened, everything past Adam and Eve, you know, perpetually born in sin and so it's just a part of our nature um but uh, you know I, you know it's kind of going with what you said dylan romans 5 um starting in 18 you know therefore as one trespass led to con- condemnation for all men so one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men um and then it just you know kind of goes through um so that is sin reigned to death grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life mm-hmm. what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means how can he uh, we who died to sin still live in it so i mean it's calling us to you know stop stop sinning i mean obviously we'll never get there but we should choose not to live in sin because how can we when you know We've seen what God has done to keep us you know, from that. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's never going to be perfectly impossible to stop sinning, but we can choose not to live in it.
1: So,
0: yeah. yeah. No, I don't think it's possible to stop sinning. I mean, you look at Moses. Moses spoke face-to-face with God to the point where he had to wear a veil over his face, and he still sinned and wasn't allowed into the Promised Land. Like if any other person other than Jesus Christ... Could have went without sinning. It probably would have been Moses, I figure. The most humble... As the Bible says, the most humble man to ever walk face earth. And he sinned bad enough that he wasn't allowed into the promised land. So, no, I don't think... Like, even with the work of the Holy Spirit... Now, I think we'll sin less through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's almost like a paradox. I see it, kind of. Um, because the more we read the Bible and the more we understand it, the more we realize our sin. And oh, so, like... Yeah we we work through through sin and sin becomes less tempting but the more we learn about God the more we understand oh man i'm worse than i thought you know mm-hmm. like like paul says the law came in to increase the trespass it's like yeah. i would have never known that i was sinning in this way and so we get this view of ourselves where the more we understand God and the more we see God the the more we see our own sin and like we see ourselves worse towards the end of the relationship with God than we did at the beginning because of these sins that we didn't know were, were sins. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not technically that we weren't committing sins. It's just we didn't know that we were committing these things that were against God. So it's almost like a paradox. Now, I think with the work of the Holy Spirit, we will sin less, um, but we'll never be free of sin until uh, either we die or Jesus
1: calls us home. One yeah. of those two. Uh, so that brings in uh, our sanctification process so when it, it, as it is I mean it's a process so you know as you go through your your the rest of your earthly life you're becoming more and more sanctified but on the earth you will never be perfect mm-hmm. meaning that you're exactly. still a sinner uh, re- regardless mm-hmm. um, and whenever we are either called home or you know we die and we and we go to heaven then we become fully sanctified then we become glorified. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there's no way to no way to stop stop sin. Yep. Um
0: so Dylan, do you it's not really do you think, why does sin hinder our relationship with God?
1: Okay, um so God is holy <laughs> um and therefore cannot be associated with any sort of uncleanliness. Um in his original design, uh, God created the, the earth, and He created the earth and the things in it to be holy. Well, sin broke that uh, when Adam and Eve committed committed the first sin in Genesis three. Um, you know, sin goes against uh, God's nature, mm-hmm. and God hates sin. Uh, sin cannot go unpunished. Sin has to has to go. Uh, it has to be has to be accounted for. Uh, but because uh, in our fallen state, we we cannot come to we we cannot come to God in the sort of in that aspect.
0: But for for us that have been sanctified or uh, justified through Christ, mm-hmm. there's no there's no punishment for sin for us. It's so for the us payment has been has been paid. Right. You know, we don't have to pay the punishment of sin. Still yet, why, why does sin hinder our relationship with God
1: when there's no more punishment for sin for us? So the, the way that I look at it is, is that, I mean, from our individual perspective, um, we, as earthly creatures, we like to sin. It feels good to us, mm-hmm. temporarily, temporarily. Uh, we want that temporary that temporary satisfaction um, so instead of us running to God and running to uh, grow closer to God we run away from him and turn to that sin uh, is that kind of does that kind of make sense on the relationship aspect how there's that disconnect yeah. from from our end of you know mm-hmm. not running to God but we are turning to the things that God hates and the things that God completely despises
2: mm-hmm. um, so to, I mean to jump in, there, um Isaiah fifty nine, uh, verse one through two, kind of helps out with this. And it says, "Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that he, it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He does not hear you." And so, you know, I think you know we we emphasize this a little bit in the last podcast. But like, you know, when we before the fall was a perfect relationship mm-hmm. with God, and then when the uh, fall took place that immediately created a barrier and sin was that barrier and so um, it, it's something that in this lifetime we will never return back to that same state of relationship until Uh, you know we pass away jesus comes we were restored back Uh, but in this lifetime we can only work so close to get to it. so yes it's always going to hinder us and depending on how much we give into that sin you know how much we fall into it you know are we are we uncovering new like are we allowing the lord to show us what is you know hindering our relationship with that and and working to remove that from our you know our lives so that way we can grow closer or are we you know giving in to our fleshly desires allowing that sin to creep in and all that's going to do is make that barrier of sin bigger and divide our relation you know us from God because you know we're not we're not taking the time to you know rip that sin out by the roots you know so to speak mm-hmm. so
0: yeah um Ephesians four says don't grieve the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. don't do it yep. well how do you grieve the Holy Spirit by sinning? It's kind of the same way of, you know, me and Cody are brothers. Really? If I, yeah. uh. if I walked up and <laughs> punched him in the ear, he would still be my brother. But because I have wronged him, there's a disconnect. Our relationship, until, it is, until I come with a heart of repentance, our relationship is very much uh, not really severed because we're still brothers. But there's a there's a pretty big disconnect there until I come with the the heart of repentance.
2: Yeah, we're about to fight. That's what's going to happen. (laughs) I
0: will. Yeah, I don't know if God necessarily is like we're going we're going to fight. But uh, but it's kind of the same way. There's that it doesn't change our standing before God. We are still an adopted son of God. But. It does hurt that relationship. We've grieved the Holy Spirit because we've went against His wishes and we've went against His will and done something that He says, this displeases me. And so, yeah, it still hinders our relationship. Regardless of whether we're justified or not, that doesn't change. Mm -hmm. No sin is is too great that Christ couldn't pay. Otherwise, what's the point of sending Christ if He couldn't pay for all sin? Uh, But it's like the, the writer of Hebrews says. It's like we're crucifying all over again by by continuing on and sinning.
3: Seth, you did it again. You did this last podcast where you <laughs> changed the question after we've already gotten here. So, um, yeah. So these no, questions just are given to us like beforehand so we can kind of prepare a little bit. So I went a completely different direction <laughs> with that. Um, so we can either get into that or we can't. It um, don't no matter. I, I, I saw it as, as sin hindering mankind's relationship with God as mm. a whole. And um, Go for it. I mean, just like Dylan said, because of holiness... God can't be around anything that is less than his level of holiness. Um, we see it in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, and we see it again. And, and, and the, the scripture I found was Isaiah 14, um, talking about Lucifer's fall, talking about Satan's fall, with the original sin being pride. Um, the fact that both man and Lucifer had this sense that. I know better than what God knows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I either want to be on that level or higher than that level. Um, so this this feeling of this pride comes in. It corrupts. It, it causes uh, both Lucifer and mankind to do um, contrary to God's will. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, they're then less than God's perfect standard, right? And so God can't be in the presence of that. Um, so honestly, the separation... That almost you know, sin creates the separation, but God allows that separation because if He didn't, what would happen to those that were covered in the sin? They would be obliterated. Okay. I mean, sin cannot exist in God's presence. Light, darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. It's not that you know it, it goes somewhere else, it it it's destroyed. So if we were put in the presence of God's holiness with the sin. I mean there's examples of it in the Bible I mean just very small glimpses of what happens when God's holiness runs up against our sinfulness mm-hmm. and and it's never pretty um, I mean I think Seth mentioned Moses talked face to face and he was more holy and devout than anybody else and all the other Israelites were afraid of him when he came back from these mm-hmm. conversations with God because of his countenance was was um, lit you have the, the story of Uzzah the uh mm-hmm. well, he wasn't really unfaithful, but the man that reached up to stabilize the ark because they weren't carrying it the right way. And what happened? I mean, dead, like instantaneously. Um, and, And Isaiah, whenever Isaiah has this vision of Uh, you know God's holiness in his robes filling the temple and and what is his response he was the holiest man in Israel but his response was woe to me Mm -hmm. for I am a man of unclean lips and a people of unclean lips Mm -hmm. that was his response every time that we are faced with the holiness of God even the best of us the most devout of us it's it's awe-inspiring is is kind of the word that's coming to mind but it's it's terrifying. Is probably the better word that's coming to mind because we are made so aware of our inadequacy, of our failings, shortcomings, whatever word you want to use, mm-hmm. um, and and the and, and what the cost of that is. What, what it, it's death. I mean, the 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 wages of sin is death. Um, so really, the separation. I see it. Yes, it's a bad thing. It doesn't need to be their sins, but but it's it's also a mercy of God. Like if He did not allow us a place to go away from His holiness before we have a chance to repent, before He gave us a way out, mm-hmm. we would have ended at Adam and Eve. I mean, it would have just been okay. Well, that didn't work. So, but because of His mercy, His love, His grace, there's there is that that, <laughs> that separation, which again is not a good thing, but. At the the same time, it it saved us from a really short story of mankind. Yep. Yep. So that's,
0: anyway, that's that's, mankind as a whole. That's good with me. That's good with me. All right, um, Mason, we'll let you start on this one. You think there are some sins that are worse than others? Oh, mercy. (laughs) Um,
3: this is a fun one. This is a fun one. So I put, my answer is, so yes and no, um... I believe in the course of Romans 3.23 that all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. But I also believe in John 3.16 which states that for God's love the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Um, but I'm also aware in, in, my, in my studies and my learnings um, uh, of something mentioned by many theologians called the unforgivable sin. Um, mm-hmm. And from my understanding... The unforgivable sin, um, this term blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, is basically unbelief. Um, so, in, in, in my view, in my understanding, through my studies, every sin can be forgiven. I mean, God's, Jesus' sacrifice was perfect. He was the perfect Lamb of God. He was um, the perfect Lamb that was sacrificed to save the world. Um, so, the only thing that cannot be forgiven is unbelief. In his sacrifice. Is
0: yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, actually, silence. I <laughs> actually have. I somewhat disagree with you. On the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Not in, too much. In the definition of it. Or or just in the. Kind in the be. nature of it I guess. Okay. So unbelief yes. But unbelief to the point. So there's unbelief. That you can come back from.
3: Okay, You're thinking like hardening of the heart almost.
0: Kind of. So if you remember when Jesus talks about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, he's talking of the Pharisees. So Mm. Jesus heals and the Pharisees say, well, he's healing by the power of Satan. Mm. And so when you take evidence of God through work of the Holy Spirit and you start blaspheming the nature of God, when you say... When the Holy Spirit's work, you start deeming it as evil. Hmm. That kind of unbelief you really can't come back from. When you skew hmm. the very nature of God and you start viewing him through the eyes of evil and unjust, that's a that's a hard unbelief to come back from. Yeah. Now, anybody who's unbelieving, regardless, if you don't accept Christ as your Savior, you're not getting in. Right. Period. But blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I think, yes, it's an unbelief, but it's an unbelief that can't be reasoned with.
3: Okay, yeah, I I would agree with that. Yeah, it's it's a step beyond just plain old, oh, I don't believe because I don't know or because I haven't heard or because this that or the other. So it's seeing the evidence and not just saying I don't believe that. I think that that is evil. Yeah, Yeah,
0: there is. uh, There was. I'm not going to say who it was. I was watching a, a debate between... Um, I believe it was Frank Turek. I
3: thought you said you weren't going to say who it was.
0: Well, I'm not saying the other part. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, it may not have been Frank Turek. Anyways, hey, can somebody go kill that ice maker? <laughs> because that thing just scared the fire out of me. So I I think it's Frank Turek who is debating the person. I could be wrong on that. But anyways... Uh, they said, what would it take for you to believe in God? Because they had already talked about how if God was real, would you believe in him? And uh, he was talking about, you know, the like genocide and all these horrible moral things that he believed God has has done. Uh, and he said, you know, if Jesus were to come down in a flaming chariot and talk to me, I still wouldn't believe like that. To me, that's that's an unbelief you can't come back from. When Jesus himself could come down out of heaven with a flaming chariot and you would still deem God. You wouldn't want to believe in God because you think he's immoral and you think his actions are unjust. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the kind of unbelief that I think Jesus is talking about with blasphemy of the Holy Spirit.
2: I, I would have to. I mean, I'm pretty much on the same page as y'all. Um, you know, that that type of. Unbelief to the point that like you you know you refuse to acknowledge that you know saving uh, grace of Jesus, but yeah, uh, everything else. I mean, if you you know repent and ask for forgiveness, like it, it you know, I believe that you can be saved. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree. In hand, so there's not much else you know for me to elaborate on there because I think you covered it pretty well. So
1: yeah, um, I guess I'm gonna. Take a, a, a different angle here. Um, so in today's world, I'll bring in a little bit of, you know, the culture that we live in today. Um, there's this common saying that all sins are equal. You know, the the guy that's uh, partaking in adultery, it's the same as, you know, the guy that murdered somebody else. And, okay, yes, I agree with that. Those sins are equal. But as you guys have discussed, there is one sin that is completely unforgivable, and that is the unpardonable sin. The evidence, as, as Seth was outlined, the evidence of seeing God, seeing creation, seeing you know Christ made evident, and then completely rejecting that—that's that cannot be for that that can't be forgiven. Um, that they have they have severed their ability to do that. They've severed that tie. Um, and then uh, I guess uh, you guys have mentioned the unpardonable sin. Well, in uh, Mark chapter 3, uh, 28 and 29 reads this. Mm-hmm. Truly I say to you, all sin shall be forgiven, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. Wow, what a statement. Never mm-hmm. has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Mm-hmm. that et- mm-hmm. their Their soul, their eternal soul is going to be completely separated from God.
2: Yeah, there's that eternal sin. Eternal sin. That's crazy to just fathom That's
1: the only time that I think in the Bible that a sin is referenced to an eternal sin. Eternal sin. Eternal sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the unforgivable sin.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, you look at, in the book of James, he says, you know, if you were to upkeep the entire law... But fell at one point, you're guilty of the entire thing. Yep. So God doesn't categorize. Now, I will say this. And I don't know how much is technically in the Bible about this. I, I do know that the Bible talks about it. Pastors and teachers.
3: Who
0: mm-hmm. mislead? That mislead or yeah, yeah. sin to the point where, I mean, where you're destroying the flock. Mm-hmm. God is going to deal very much more harshly
1: yes. with them. You
3: know. I guess that would come into the the question of how true is their original salvation. If they're willing to knowingly going and misleading,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, was their salvation true to begin with? Yeah. But that's a question that we can't answer,
2: right? right. So yeah, because I mean, so. only, only I, one person can see. You know, yeah. well,
0: but I mean, the, the Bible is, says, you know mm-hmm. that. Teachers and and shepherds, they're going to be judged more harshly. Yep. But I couldn't imagine, you know, wh- how does uh, the rapper Shylin put it? Fe- uh, fleece in the flock. Yep. Um, I couldn't imagine making a life of taking advantage of God's people mm-hmm. yep. and misleading them, and then having to stand before God and give an account for that. I feel like. I mean, because the Holy Spirit, like, if
2: you truly believe, I feel like the Holy Spirit would convict you so much at that point to to know. And so, so I mean, that, I mean, like I said, we can't we can't know the hearts of people, but if you know, I, and I know that you know, we we would never have you know that that type of mentality, in that somebody in that position would. But to me, if I was in that position, I would feel I was so convicted. By that, that I couldn't stand myself, you know, well, kind of thing. Where if does I,
0: conviction come from? Um, the Holy Spirit. The Holy yeah, yeah. Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Those yeah. people, I, I'm just going to go out of limb and say, if you're if you are taking advantage of God's people, you you probably don't have the Holy Spirit to convict you.
1: Yeah, I would take that. I would take that hard approach too. Um, like if
0: you if you are making a profit. Off of God's people. And that is your intent. You know it's one thing. To mislead. People because of stubbornness. Or or things like that. And to come to that realization. And to repent from it. But when you are intentionally. Taking God's people. And making a profit off of them. For your own personal gain. I'm going to go out and say. That you probably don't have the Holy Spirit. To convict you of that sin. Yeah I would. I would go out on that
1: limb with you. So. <laughs> well,
0: guys, that was that was a fun question. You want to move on to the next <laughs> exactly. one? That, yeah, we, we, we
1: kind of chased a little rabbit there, but yeah. that's all
0: right. Uh, you, did, but did we though?
1: No, not really. Yeah. 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 All right, Code. Um,
0: if we are born into sin, like we we are sinners from conception, as David would say, why does God still punish us for it?
2: So, I mean, we mentioned this briefly earlier, I think Dylan maybe, but, you know, sin has to be, like, punished. Like, there's a punishment for it. Thankfully for us, we have, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he took that punishment, which the punishment is going to be eternal damnation. But he took that punishment upon his shoulders and paid the price with his blood because he lived the perfect life. Now, that's not to say now there's going to be a, a difference between punishment and discipline. And so when it comes to discipline, um, I pull, and so Hebrews 12 um, mentions a little bit about this. But it says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And in verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you were left without discipline, in which um, all have participated, then you are Ill- illegitimate children and not sons. So, I mean, this is God's love for us, that he disciplines us um, when we sin. Um, because He he is, you know, we are his children and he is i mean same way with raising a, you know a child and so um you know I, I have a three-year-old daughter that you know likes to make her own decisions and do her own things that don't always line up with what i want her to do and it's a little independent and so when you know I, we discipline has to come into effect when she does something that's disobedient and so it's a perfect example of god with us and so when we Sin, we're disobedient to God just says my daughter would be disobedient to me and my wife. And so, you know, with that comes discipline to correct us in that, to prevent us from doing that in the future so that we may have a deeper, closer relationship with God in the same way that, um, you know, the discipline with uh, Natalie is going to come, um, you know, a deeper relationship not only with us, but it's going to affect her life, for you know, here on out, and the relationships she has with other people, and so, um, so to me, um, it's not so much if you've accepted Christ; it's not the punishment, but the discipline that um, I think is you know um, what needs to come. You know, is what we we feel, and we feel might be punishment, but it's actually discipline.
1: So. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of piggybacking, in uh, Cody, I agree with with everything that that you said. Uh, you kind of actually. Uh, stole some of my, some of my points so I appreciate that uh, but uh, just kind of going back to, to point three um, I kind of mentioned something about you know the holiness of God and how God can't uh, can't be around sin. well somebody has to has to pay for the sin because uh, God the way that God had set up everything is that sin cannot go unpunished. And if sin went unpunished, then that takes the justness of God away from God Mm -hmm. himself. Uh, Then that would make God a liar, and God is not a liar. Um, So, you know, God is just and holy, and so sin cannot go unpunished. So our sin cannot go unpunished. But thankfully, we have the Christ that took our sins on Calvary's cross. He took the full wrath of God on Calvary's cross for. For the the for sinners, for sinners around the world, uh, to where they don't have to go through the eternal punishment, see the full just brunt of God's wrath. I mean, Mm -hmm. how scary is that? You know, you Mm -hmm. read into Revelation and you see all these destructive things that are happening and and stuff like that. We we won't we won't have to we won't have to go through that. So,
3: so yeah, you guys pretty much took most of my talking points as well. (laughs) So I mean. uh, Building off of that, um, I kind of the way this this is I feel like a a, a common apologetics question yes, um, that that you know gets asked by a lot of unbelievers of believers saying you know well if we 're just born this way, why are we punished for it and, you know if 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 he 's our creator and this is how we 're created, then why is it wrong when really, I feel like that 's just the completely wrong way to look at this um, Yes, we are born. You know, like, like has been said. In in sin did my mother conceive me, um, but that wasn't God's original design. As we mm-hmm. talked about in right. the last podcast, we were uh, we were originally created sinless in mm-hmm. the image of God. Um, so the fact that we're born into sin is is not God's fault. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's the sole responsibility of of our forefather Adam, and through Adam sin came into this world. And because of Adam, we're all born with this sinful nature. Um, that's a fact um, and and in all truth God was just in his punishment that he declared for Adam and Eve if you sin you'll die mm-hmm. um, but God is also merciful so like mm-hmm. like Dylan and like Cody have said he gave us a way he gave them a way of repentance through the sacrificial system through the Mosaic law which all pointed to Jesus um, so when Jesus came he was that, that perfect sacrifice that That redeemer that that is able to um, square that relationship again that 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 can uh, can pay that that price for our sin Um, because it's got to be paid it's got to either be paid by us or or by jesus um and paul uh talks about this a lot in, in in all of his letters specifically um in romans 5 chapter chapter 5 verse 12 through 21 he talks about how death came from adam um, and just as death came from one man life came from jesus yeah. the perfect mm-hmm. adam um and and so even though we're we're born deserving uh, deserving that's that's what we all, well why is he going to punish us what do we do no we're deserving of his wrath right. we are born deserving of death yep. that's that's yep. what we deserve the wages the payment for sin is death the gift of god is eternal life um so this this is is really easy to to flip this on its head and, and look at it through the through the eyes of the world, being like, well, I mean, if we're we born this way. Why is you know, yep. but but that's not that's not that's taking the wrong perspective. The perspective really is the other way around. Well, this is what we deserve. <laughs> this is, this is not you know, he's not punishing us for something that is undeserving. This death is what we deserve. The, the his mercy and grace come through the gift of of
0: Jesus Christ.
3: Um, so
0: yeah, um, so uh, another way I've heard this question worded. From unbelievers is why do we have to bear the punishment for something that Adam did? Well, here's the thing. Adam was created in perfection. So he was humanity's one best shot at getting it right. Like nobody else that's ever walked the face of the earth. That's not Jesus. Could have done it better than Adam. And Adam screwed it up. So if you're saying that you could do it better Then humanity's one best shot. You're fooling yourself. And the next thing I've got to say. Is go read the Bible. Go ahead. I, I would allow you. Ignore all the dietary. And custom laws. Of the Mosaic Law. Only focus on the moral laws. Of the Mosaic Law. And focus on the sins detailed in the New Testament. Focus on those. And tell me. That you haven't committed a sin. Mm. Tell me that you haven't committed one of these sins. That is, You can take out the dietary laws. You can take out the cultural laws. That's fine. That was made for Israel anyways. That part of the law went away at the time of Jesus Christ. That's fine. Look through the moral sins. And tell me you haven't committed a sin. And then come talk to me about why does God still punish us for it? Yeah. Well, think about...
2: When, you know, there was no sin before the fall. And then once that sin happened, it sin entered the world. And the only way that that could be purged is to just eliminate the human race altogether Mm -hmm. at that point. Because once sin was there, I mean, it's like a contagious virus. And it's one that's going to spread to every person no matter what. So whether somebody was... I mean, you, while we're born in sin, um, you know, had say that somebody is not born in sin, but they're around somebody that is sin, like that's, either way, it's going to spread because, you know, Eve, and Adam and Eve were not born, conceived in sin, yet when Eve sinned, she shared that sin with Adam. And so um, that right there is just an example. And so, you know, with, and every time, if God was to... You know, completely wipe out the human race and create somebody else in place of Adam, like that. It, he unless he just forced them to be obedient and and didn't have any kind of free um, thinking or free will to make
0: a decision. There, I mean, it's always going to end up with the same result. Yeah. So, and and here's the deal. Okay, fine. Yeah, you don't want punishment for sin. Do you know how to get get out of punishment for sin? You honor God in the role that He's in as Savior, and as Creator. That's all you have to do. But people are too prideful and too in love with their sin to allow that. People can say all day long, oh, I don't believe in God, there's not enough evidence. There's ample evidence. I'm a true believer that people don't disbelieve in God and Christ because of lack of evidence. They do it because they're too in love with their sin, and they don't want to let it go. And they don't want to let God have His rightful place. But that's it. I mean, what do you have to do to To escape the punishment of sin. Honor God as creator and accept Christ as savior. That's it. It takes nothing on your part other than saying you are God and I am not. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm very, and you don't want to be harsh with people. But when you start questioning why does God still punish us if we're born into it, you're starting to question the moral character of God. And I have a very big problem with people questioning the moral and just character of god and so it's it's hard not to handle these harshly yeah right right so um i guess to to wrap up this episode do we start out with you Mm, no well the last one yeah yeah um so mason is there any way other than christ that sins can be forgiven
3: uh, no, I believe there is not. I believe the Bible gives significant and sufficient evidence that that Christ is the only way, the only path um, to salvation. I know it's it's really common and has been in the, probably the past several decades uh, to have this multiple path that all paths are equal to God. We're all just trying to reach this do one what makes
0: you happy, man. Yeah,
3: this one you know cosmic goal of oneness and unity and goodness and loti da, but. It's, it's just not true. I mean, you can't you can't stack up religions and look at them with any kind of critical eye and say that they are all the same. It just that that falls to pieces the moment you get past stage one. Um, and and for Christianity, what really sets itself apart is is that there is only one way to be saved. There's only one way that sins can be forgiven, and it's not through works. It's not through uh, you know all these penances that I have to pay or uh, it's not through anything that that man can do himself, um, but it's through Christ. Um, if you look at John fourteen verses six or seven, Jesus Himself states it. So for all those that say, "Oh, Jesus was just a good teacher. He was just, you know, he was this man of, of great morals," it, you either you have to look at Jesus one of two ways: he's either God or he's a liar. Um, he's one of the two. He can't be. Mm-hmm. He can't be anything in between because <laughs> if he's if if he's not God, then his own words make him out to be a liar and a right, hypocrite right. And, and a blasphemer. Yeah, which is what the Jews were trying to accuse him of. Um, so so I, I, I take the other opinion and believe that he was the Son of God um, and that he is uh, the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the only way for us. Um, to get out from under our sin debt is to accept His payment for us. Um, it states the writer of Hebrews states in uh, Hebrews chapter nine, verses eleven through twenty-eight, talking about he he compares the old Mosaic law that the that the Hebrews were under, and and he gives his his defense for why Christ is the perfect fulfillment of that law and he states that apart from the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sin mm-hmm. so in, in in hebrew times that meant all the sacrifices and the sacrificial system but here came christ to die once for all um to to make that payment for not just that generation but for all the generations subsequent um that 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 payment was permanent perfect and sufficient um uh, so that's that's why jesus is the only way
1: yeah I, I agree with that. There is, uh, there, there is no other way than Christ that our sins can be for, can be forgiven. There's a, I'm, as Protestants were familiar with the five solas that were outlined, um, and one of those is sola Christus, which is through Christ alone. Uh, mm-hmm. The only way that our sins can be forgiven is through Christ alone, um, and Christ was God in the flesh. Uh, he was the, the perfect, uh, blameless, um, he was what, he was our savior. He was what, what we needed and no one else could have been the perfect sacrifice to atone for what we have done for what, you know, what our iniquities against God. Um, so in other words, uh, this is the way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, Acts chapter four, um, which, I've got 12, but I'm going to start in 11 because it just really fits in with our whole podcast series. Um, this Jesus is the stone, uh, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, I mean, clear evidence, and this is just another you know piece of it, but, but like Mason was saying, um, you know, this sacrificial system jesus fulfilled the law and so nobody else has done that and and because of that and he lived you know sinless perfect life fulfilled the law that sacrifice covered everything there's no one else that's done that there's no one else that's ever going to be able to do that Mm -hmm. because nobody else was also god Mm -hmm. and so um you know it's a big piece of the puzzle there um but but yeah, there, there's just no possible way. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everything. And then, like I said, this is just another um, you know thing to use as supporting evidence that there's no other, no other name, no other way. So,
0: yes, uh, I agree with with everything. Just go back and listen to Crisis Cornerstone, our first full episode, and we discuss this. Very much in depth, in at different, at like multiple angles. So yeah, there's there's no other, no other way. Uh, you've got two options when it comes to sin. Either you can pay for it and spend an eternity in hell away from the presence of God, or you can allow Christ to pay for it, because Christ is the only one that could f- fulfill the prerequisites to pay for someone else's sin. I mean, those are your two options. It's either you. Or him, so you got to make that determination for yourself. You can't make it for anybody else, uh, nobody can make it for you. You've got to make the determination: Am I going to allow Christ to pay for my sin, or am I going to roll the dice and and see if God will take my good works? But I'll tell you this: If you've read the Bible at all, you'll know that God doesn't accept good works instead of uh, instead of punishment for for sin. So. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, we do appreciate you joining in with us. And like I said in our, in our last one, I pray that you would take this and, um, and and study it on your own. Not just take our word for it, but study not only the scriptures that, that we have lined out during the episode. Uh, but, but you know go and research it on yourself and, and find scriptures that maybe we haven't referenced. Because the best way to interpret scripture is with more scripture. Um, so we love you guys and we thank you and we'll see you next time